This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio with Graham Williams. Thanks for coming in the show. Always happy to be here. We have lots to talk about on today's program. We will be getting predictions for digital assistance in 2018. I know so many people got Amazon Echoes and Google Homes this Christmas, these little magical speakers that listen to you and do your bidding. Well, they're going to be doing even more magical things in 2018, and we'll get the lowdown on that. Google also has come out with an app to help you monitor and conserve your data. If you're an Android phone user, you have to stay tuned for that segment because we'll tell you all about it, especially with uh, the crappy plans we have here in Canada, which has been proven <laughs> worldwide. Uh, and uh, we will also be getting app of the week from uh, Christina as well. And uh, we'll be doing an update on the Consumer Electronics Show coming up, the big tech show coming up in Las Vegas, where all the nerds go down to see what's going to be happening for 2018. Big news story this week, uh, Graham, continues to be the Apple battery issue. Yeah, so essentially a lot of people out there are just absolutely up in arms about what's happened. Uh, Apple coming to the market and saying, yes, we have actually been slowing down older phones as their batteries weren't able to provide peak power. So the idea here is that as your phone was trying to do something that would have drawn so much power that the phone would have shut down in the past, they're preventing those shutdowns now by slowing the phone down or restricting access to certain features like the flash, um, the actual flash on the camera, not the not the character. And so uh, the phone would continue operating. It would just operate slower. And uh, the problem was that Apple didn't tell people in so many words what they were doing. It was in the it was in the in the notes on the update, but they didn't say, "Hey, this is what this is how this is working." They just said, "We managed to find a way to prevent these shutdowns." Not the best experience for a lot of users out there. People are frustrated and there's been a bit of a backlash. So to make up for that, they've apologized and they're offering battery replacements for 35 bucks. Yeah, this is, it's a bargain. Usually it's about $90 Canadian. So for $35, you get a new battery and the labor to install it and it's covered for 90 days. It's a, it's a pretty good little deal. Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, so this is good for iPhone 6s and up. From what yeah. I understand. Yeah. So basically in, uh, in iOS 10.2, they, uh, they made a change in the software that uh, changed how it used the battery. And that was for iPhone 6, iPhone 6S, uh, the Plus models, iPhone 7, and iPhone SE. Um, so if you have any of those models and your phone has been unduly slow, you can take it into an Apple store or you can call Apple Care. They'll do a diagnostic to see if the phone is, uh, if the battery is not operating at peak condition and if it is going through the slowdown process. And if it is, you can get a new battery for 29 bucks. Uh, sorry, $35, 29 US. So, yeah. People are suing Apple for it. <laughs> There's uh, at least a dozen lawsuits down in the US. A lot of legal analysts say that uh, that'll probably go nowhere. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all uh, plays out. I think um, uh, Apple, usually pretty good at admitting when they're uh, wrong, uh, but a lesson for a lot of manufacturers out there. I wouldn't be surprised if other manufacturers are doing this as well. Well, I mean, Samsung and Motorola have come out and said they're absolutely not doing it. And a lot of users have kind of, you know, hit back at those two companies and said, well, that's because you don't update your phones after 18 months. <laughs> so it's a bit of cat and mouse there. I mean, the big one here for Apple, the takeaway is that you need to be communicating in plain English what you're doing to someone's phone. Because given the opportunity, a lot of users would have looked at it and said, oh, my phone's getting slower because my battery's dead. I will go replace my battery. But, you know, a lot of people are alleging right now that because they weren't given this information, They've decided to go and replace their phone instead. I find that a little spurious. I mean, I don't know many people who, if their car is not operating at peak condition, decide to go and sell the car as opposed to and get a new one, as opposed to going and to take it to a mechanic. 
the same sort of thing applies here. If your phone is slowing down, take it in and get it looked at. It doesn't cost anything to get it looked at. So Well, that's the thing. You know, batteries, they only last so long. And, you know, I liken this to a car. Like, eventually your car battery is going to go. Yeah. And you have to get a new battery. Yeah. So if Apple supplied your car for you, would you expect the battery to last two, three years? Probably not. But uh, I think a lot of people, when Apple does something that they don't necessarily agree with, there's a lot of emotion involved. I mean, it's been a contentious company since 1984. And so, people are very passionate about their Apple products. They are indeed. And people are very passionate about Apple when they don't own Apple products. It's a very interesting, almost tribalistic way of looking at electronics. I think that we all just need to relax, take a deep breath, and go get a new battery. Another story that um, out of the U.S. and just kind of concerns me, just with the rising prices of uh, internet access, Comcast has announced uh, that uh, they are going to be raising their uh, basic uh, broadband uh, internet uh, package to, what is it, 75 bucks a month? $75 US, which US. is roughly $400,000 Canadian. Pretty much. Um, so why should we be concerned about this, Grant? Well, well th this basically, this goes right back to net neutrality because we have these major corporations who in a lot of markets, they have either near monopolies or actual monopolies. They're the only ones with last mile to these customers. And we said, you know, as soon as net neutrality was going to be repealed, we were going to see an increase in prices as these companies start to lock things down. They start to slow down certain internet packages so that they can provide fast lanes. This is so much of an I told you so. This is exactly what we said was going to happen. And it's why net neutrality is so important here in Canada. Um, you know, earlier, I think uh, I was mentioning to you that New Westminster, the city of New Westminster, where I live, has invested in dark fiber in something called BridgeNet. So they basically built the infrastructure. The city built the infrastructure as opposed to relying, relying on the telcos to build it. Are they making money on it? And, and Well, they're, they're basically leasing the space out at cost yep. to uh, different providers and so instead of just having Shaw and Telus who provide 150 megabits per second at around 150 bucks a month, now we also have Urban Fiber, we have Novus, and I just upgraded to Novus for half the price of 150 gigabit internet per second. I've upgraded to gigabit internet, so 1,000 megabits per second uh, for 69.99 a month. Is that just the internet itself? That's just the internet itself. Because I mean, yeah. in fairness, I think Shaw and Telus, uh, the 150 includes TV and stuff. No, I was actually on a package that included telephone, oh, okay. I should say. Yeah. But uh, it was it was uh, just internet and just telephone, whereas I'm getting internet and telephone from Novus for around half that price. And it's super fast. It's super fast. So say the speed again. It's gigabit. Gigabit. So 150 megabit per second with Shaw, gigabit internet from Novus. 1,000. Almost 10 times as fast. Yeah. yeah. It's And it's absolutely wonderful. Like, I'm, I'm thrilled with it. And I kind of look back to Sean Tellis and say, hey, you're the big guy. It's like, you should be able to provide these prices because you have the scale. You should be able to offer this to everyone. Um, and I think that's really where this innovation really needs to come from, is we need to have competition in this space, which you can't have if you don't have net neutrality, if you don't have that level playing field. There's uh, an app out there called Kodi that uh, a lot of people use on their Android TV boxes. Uh, these are these little uh, mini computer boxes uh, that people hook up to their TVs and use the Kodi app to watch uh, TV shows and movies, in, in most cases for free. Apparently, as many as 7% of Canadian households have these little TV boxes now. Well, there was a huge run on them this year, right? I mean, there were these Amazon, uh, sorry, uh, Android powered boxes that everybody was going crazy for. There was the fellow in Montreal who had an injunction against him to stop selling them. Yeah. Despite the fact that Kodi is actually uh, an open source piece of software that you can add to different types of devices. Now, I think you mentioned you had a, you had a small box, right? I've got uh, what's called a Raspberry Pi. This is a little hobby computer, uh, kind of, uh, and you got to buy everything. You got to buy the little board. You got to buy the case for it, the power supply. Works out to be about, 60 to $70, depending where you, you buy it. 
but once you've got this thing going, you can load things on it like Cody, the app, and then have access to all these movies and, and TV shows. And uh, it's it's kind of cool to put it together. I like it. Can, can we take a minute to just appreciate the fact that there is a small computer the size of a deck of cards that costs you 60 bucks that can handle high-definition television? It's pretty amazing. I love living in the future. It's, it, oh, it's, it's pretty wonderful. amazing. So Cody now is available on the Xbox One gaming system. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. I know a lot of people have Xbox Ones, and this kind of adds a little more versatility to it. Well, I mean, and they originally built the Xbox One as a media center, something that would be at the heart of your living room. And by adding Cody to that, I mean, they've got a great Blu-ray player in it. They've got great games. Uh, they've got some fun features like Skype in there as well. So adding Cody in there really does sort of help fulfill its obligation as a media player for people who want to use it as such. So it's a really cool addition. Mike Agarbo here for Get Connected. We've got lots of tech to talk today. We'll be uh, chatting about the Consumer Electronics Show, the big show in Vegas where 175,000 nerds converge every year to find out what's going to be happening for the future. We'll also be chatting about a new app from Google that helps you manage the data on your smartphone, especially Android phones. Uh, So great thing for a lot of people that have crappy data plans. And... uh, Predictions for digital assistance in 2018. These are these little digital speakers from Google and Amazon that uh, not only play music, but also do your bidding. What will they have in store for us in the new year? You'll find out. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. We're back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Coming up uh, in the next uh, week or so is one of my favorite times of the year because I'm the biggest nerd and tech geek out there. It's the Consumer Electronics Show. And uh, this is an event held down in Las Vegas every year. And literally hundreds of thousands of people come down, all the uh, the tech journalists and uh, people in the industry, to find out what's going to be happening in uh, 2018 and beyond. On the line, we've uh, got Ali... Freed, she is uh, Director of Global Event Communications for the Consumer Electronics Show. Thanks for joining. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So I, I can't even remember how many years I've been going to this, uh, but it is just all kinds of awesome. Give our listeners kind of a, a bit of a, a scope of how big this is and, and what people will see there. Yeah, yeah, CES is huge, and I don't know how long you've been going, but it is our 51st anniversary show, so we have been around over half a century, um, and it gets bigger and better and more amazing every year. So this year we're going to have more than 2.7 million net square feet of exhibit space. That doesn't count aisles or hallways or anything. That's just the cool, crazy, amazing technology that's on the show floor. Um, And we actually had a team back at the office kind of trying to figure out how, what does that mean? How big is that? And uh, it is half the size of Vatican City for anyone wondering (laughs) what that means. Full of uh, nerdy goodness. Yes, full of nerdy goodness. Exactly, exactly. And like you said, all the tech journalists and kind of, you know, the nerds and the wonderful people of the world, um, we are expecting more than 170,000 people to come to the show. So, uh, again, to kind of put that in perspective, that's more people than the number of hotel rooms that are in Las Vegas. So the event really does take over the city, but it's an amazing opportunity for everyone to see the latest technology that's going to come out for 2018 and beyond. So why is it important to have this show? Oh, it is important because it's a chance for everyone in every industry that touches technology to come together. And that's been one of the most neat things we've seen over the last decade or two is, um, you know, the show started off as electronics only. It was a radio 
manufacturing show. Um, and now we see every industry is influenced by technology in some way or another. So, you know, we've got a major, major automotive presence, which you would not have seen 10 years ago. And actually, um, the automotive footprint of CES actually would make it the fifth largest standalone auto show, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but it's here for everyone to get together from automotive to entertainment, content, um, AR, VR. Just, it's a chance for visionaries, thought leaders, um, equipment manufacturers, anyone who wants to get a product launched into the marketplace, CES is the place to do it. Well, you know, with you know millions of square feet of exhibit space, there's obviously going to be a lot of uh, new announcements and trends uh, that you know we'll discover down there. What are some of the the, the trends and, and and devices that uh, are exciting you? Yeah, so some stuff that we're really excited about this year, um, totally new areas that we're branching into. So the first thing is sports technology, and we've got a brand new area of the show floor called the CES Sport Zone. You'll see tech for athletes, technology for different arenas, um, venues, stadiums, esports, um, stuff like that. So that is an area that we are really, really looking forward to. Another completely new area of the show floor this year, which you know has kind of been bubbling up over the last few years, but this year we'll have a dedicated spot for it, is smart cities. Um, and it's where you can see the entire connected ecosystem for global smart cities as you know, as people are coming into more um, city-centric living, a lot of city planners are trying to figure out, you know, what can we do to make lives easier for our people? So there'll be a smart cities area that we're really excited for. Um, another area that's going to be huge this year is artificial intelligence. And I know uh, at least a lot of people that I know uh, for Christmas this year, we're getting their Alexa systems built out and their Google Home and a lot in the way of digital assistance. And so we're going to see that all over the show floor. It's going to be everywhere. There is a dedicated marketplace to AI, um, but we really will see it everywhere. A few other new kind of noteworthy areas, um, there'll be a design and source marketplace, which is, you know, for companies who have an idea. It exists, but, you know, we've got to figure out how to launch it into market. And then the always, always popular Eureka Park Tech Zone, which is the home for startups at CES. It is by far my favorite place on the show floor to go. Um, it's just a bunch of startup companies. They, they have a, a smaller footprint on the show floor, just a 10 by 10 booth space, but it's their chance to make it big. They come to CES, they have an idea, and it's their chance to see if they can launch it. Um, last year, we had more than 600 startups at the show. This year, there will be more than 900 startups from 42 different countries, which is pretty incredible. Any gadgets you know of uh, that you're looking forward to checking out? Oh, gadgets specifically. That is a great question, and we're actually in the process right now of trying to, to get exhibitors to unbutton their lips on it. <laughs> uh, we've, <done> a lot. <laughs> we've done a lot in the way of non-disclosure uh, meetings with companies, so I think there will be a lot of really cool stuff coming out. Um, no one is really giving a, a full rundown yet, but... Um, we'll see. I've, you know, I've talked to a few different drone companies that have some exciting stuff coming. Um, a drone, a human drone, I know, is anticipated to be there. Um, Byton, which is a new electric car company who's um, supposed to be a major competitor with Tesla, is rumbling to be announcing a new car at CES this year. So um, we're excited for a few things for sure. But we do estimate in total more than 20,000 different products will launch at this show this year. 
It really is amazing, and I, I think I just calculated, calculated it. I've been going there for 25 years, and uh, it's it's oh just, God. yeah, that's a long time. It's just fantastic mm-hmm. the amount of uh, um, products that are, are being announced uh, and being and launched uh, at uh, this uh, this show. Uh, connected Home, uh, a, a very big category. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. The Connected Home kind of plays into that smart city story, um, but yeah, it's something that affects all of our lives. And and the goal of a smart home and the goal of a connected home is to make our lives easier. So, you know, you're driving home from work, you let your house know you're coming in, the lights can be set, the thermostat can be set. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot more in the way of smart appliances last year. LG and Samsung both had refrigerators that could talk to you, essentially. You know, if you're shopping, you could check back in with the camera that's set up in your refrigerator and, you know, did I need eggs? I don't know. Let me go check the camera and see if I have eggs <laughs> in there. Um, crazy, crazy whole new world. And I think, you know, I think back to being a kid and watching the Jetsons and, you know, and so much of that is becoming a reality. It is, it's sort of mind blowing to me, but, but yeah, that is the way of the future. And that's certainly where we're all headed. We're talking with Ali Freed, uh, the director of global event communications about the upcoming consumer electronics show. The dates on that again. Based on that, we are running January 9th through 12th, 2018. So, what are a week and a half, two weeks away, and the countdown is on for sure. Well, thanks for joining us, and good luck with the show. Thank you, and I hope to see you there. You will. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned here on Get Connected on the Chorus Radio Network. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Eggerbo here in studio. Uh, still have a little bit more to talk about on today's program, including App of the Week from Christina. But on the line, we've uh, got our friend Brian Jackson from IT World Canada to talk about digital assistance and some trends or predictions he uh, has for 2018. Thanks uh, for joining me, Brian. Oh, Mike. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Uh, so before we get to the predictions, uh, been quite a quite a year for digital assistants, and you know the big ones obviously Amazon Echo uh, with their Alexa voice service and Google Home. How well did they do over Christmas? Yeah, I, I mean Amazon Echo has been a top seller on Amazon pretty consistently since uh, it uh, it launched. Really, it's always one of the top selling items there. Um, I haven't seen any numbers for Google Home. Uh, I haven't really got a good sense of um, how many people are buying that. But for, for just anecdotally from talking to people, it sounds like it's on everybody's shopping list. And just, um, you know, for myself, I saw a couple of people uh, unbox them or unwrap them from under the Christmas tree this year when I was um, visiting with family and friends. So I, I bet it was a popular Christmas gift. Yeah, from what I saw too in the uh, the Apple App Store, uh, the Amazon uh, Alexa app was uh, number one. So that would indicate to me that uh, a lot of people got these for Christmas. Yeah, ex- exactly. A great indicator there. You're, you're not downloading the Alexa app unless you unbox the Echo. <laughs> uh, and again, these are great little devices. They're speakers, so you can listen to music and podcasts, uh, but they're also intelligent as well, uh, and they will do your bidding. Uh, you know, everything from shopping to uh, timers to finding out what you need to know on the Internet. Uh, there's so many different things you can do with them. Uh, what are you seeing for 2018? What are you What are you predicting? Yeah, they're super useful, like you say, and that's why I think that uh, these dedicated smart home assistants, like we see with Google Home and Amazon Echo, 
will become more quickly adopted than even smartphones were, say, um, when the iPhone first came out in uh, circa 2008, 2009. Um, I think that by the end of 2018, easily one million Canadian households will have one of these devices in their home, and they'll be, you know, we're going to get used to talking to smart assistants in our life. It's just going to become a normal part of uh, our culture, and uh, I think these sort of commands where we're waking up our Alexa unit or our Google Home unit will become part of the lexicon, and we'll just be used to hearing people um, <laughs> trying talking to their uh, their assistants on their phone, uh, in their homes, and, and uh, eventually in more places too. You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, they say to me, uh, you know, I don't want this thing listening to me all the time uh, in my house, and I just point out, well, your phone is listening to you all the time if you've got an Android or an iPhone. Yeah, that's uh, that's my response too. Is that if you are worried about spying, um, then what's to stop Google from spying on you through your your smartphone, right? Because it's it, in fact it even has it even has a camera, not just a microphone, so it could spy on you uh, more effectively than these smart home uh, devices. But I don't think privacy will stop most people from from buying these. Like people are thinking about that, and, and you should like you should be concerned about your privacy and what these companies are doing with with that information you know that's not um, that's not a crazy or paranoid thing to think about uh, we've seen uh, privacy uh, violations from from these big, big tech giants before so please uh, take that into consideration but uh, for most people I think they'll look at the privacy risk here and the convenience that they're going to gain and, and go with the convenience tends to win every time. And, and uh, the privacy concerns aren't going to slow down uh, the adoption of these devices. So you're thinking a million of these uh, in Canadian homes uh, next year. What else uh, do you think? Yeah, so I also think that we're going to see these smart home assistants embedded in more devices than uh, we can even fathom right now. So basically, if you think about um, how these sort of smart devices are, are working these days, they come, you know, uh, connected devices come with Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, um, some different wireless communications methods. Well, the next thing is going to be just a, a smart home assistant that's embedded in that device as well, because, because these things are cloud services they live on the internet and all that's needed is um, an internet connection so you're, you're going to see very quickly and it's already started um, manufacturers figure out that people want to talk to uh, their Google assistants or their uh, Alexa assistants or, or others perhaps that enter the market this year and they're going to start making partnerships and embedding uh, these services into uh, cars televisions, uh, other, you know, third-party speakers, lamps, uh, light light shades, who knows, who knows what else, uh, thermostats, you, you name it, just basically anything that can be connected to the Internet, we'll, we'll start to see this functionality. Well, you know, the Consumer Electronics Show is coming up, uh, you know, in uh, the first part of January, and that's the big show where they show all the latest things coming out. And I'm already getting some of the, uh, you know, the the emails from there, you know, from companies, uh, you know, already trying to promote what they're going to be launching. And yes, you are right. There are a lot of items that have like the Google Assistant or Alexa uh, voice assistant yeah. built into it. In fact, we even saw a bit of that that last year, and and now it's going to really 
scale up and, and watch out for it really this year in like the auto market, I think, uh, come around the fall when we start to see the 2019 models of, of cars coming out. Don't be surprised to see a lot of uh, manufacturers going one way or the other, just like we saw, you know, these different car operating systems go with uh, Apple or Google um, for, for their different operating systems in the car. We're going to see different smart assistants in the car now. Uh, and so some automakers might even try and make their own, which uh, will be interesting to see how that plays out. I wonder if anyone can compete anymore. So, you know, Amazon's got, uh, you know, their Echo speakers with the Alexa voice assistant, uh, Google Home uh, with Google Assistant. Um, you know, Apple has Siri, of course, but can anyone compete with those guys? I know Microsoft's got Cortana, but does anyone really use that? Yeah, I mean, it, it is used maybe uh, in some corner cases or if people really want to uh, get something done in Windows, you might type something into the Cortana bar. But in terms of uh, smart assistants that are really a voice-first type of experience, I, I think it's going to be very hard. and Maybe only Apple can really hope to gain any traction in that market. If you're talking about, um, you know, Amazon with its incredible uh, deployment of Echo speakers in American households, now Canadian households, and uh, Google Home uh, will have a full year uh, pretty soon. I guess it has a full year in the U.S. already and some months in Canada. So the adoption of the, and the integration of uh, these devices, these services into many other devices is going to make them hard to catch. So maybe Apple can do it, you know, because uh, a lot of people are are into the Apple ecosystem. So I could see people going with the HomePod and, uh, extending that sort of experience. Now, whether we'll call it Siri or not, I'm not sure. Apple hasn't been too clear on uh, on that yet. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, that's the only kind of in-home device they have really announced, and I'm not seeing uh, any companies, you know, building Siri into their connected devices really. No, yet. I think I don't. I don't even know if Apple is interested in doing that. They tend to want to uh, have the walled garden approach. When it comes to this, their their technology, and and if I can share another a third prediction with you for the new year, Mike, um, you know a lot of companies will be trying to build apps for this type of experience. So on uh, Alexa, of course, they're called Skills. On Google Home, we call them Actions. So this is when you have a third party, like say, let's let's take Air Canada for example. It built a Google Home Action, or and uh, in fact, it was an Amazon Alexa skill, so people could check their flight status and find out where to pick up their bags, and even get some prices from uh, by talking to their Alexa unit. So this is something that companies will try, and you'll see uh, many many skills come out in Canada this year for this type of thing. You can talk to your bank, I'm sure, talk to um, you know all sorts of different services in this way. But I don't think uh, that they'll be well adopted. I think that uh, the interfaces will be clunky and people will be basically more comfortable using their uh, smart home assistants for setting timers and uh, maybe managing their own calculator, uh, ma- managing, um, you know, a shopping list and uh, just some small everyday tasks like that. It's going to be a real challenge to get people thinking about talking to your business uh, in this way. 
Time will tell. We're talking with Brian Jackson from IT World Canada. I want to thank you for joining uh, us, Brian. Thanks so much. And a happy new year to you. Cheers. When we come back from the break, uh, Google has a new app to help uh, reduce uh, your data usage and keep track of it as well. Listen, Get Connected brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Still more tech to talk here. In a little bit, we'll be getting App of the Week from Christina. But right now, we want to see what Google's doing to help you keep track of your data. On the line, we've got our friend Rose Bahar from Mobile Syrup. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Wanted to talk about uh, a cool app uh, from Google, of all uh, companies, uh, called Datally. It's something that uh, helps you monitor your data on your smartphone. Yeah. So as we all know, Canadians pay a lot for mobile data. Yes. <laughs> they pay some of the highest rates in the world. In fact, that was just confirmed by a government study. So any tools that we can use to help with saving data is super useful. And Google itself just came out with a, a data saving app called Datally. And it's, um, you know, it's got a lot of elements of different types of apps and, and, and settings that are already out there, but it brings everything together into one easy to use free tool, which is really, really great. I find this would be very handy. Unfortunately, I have an iPhone, so I, I don't think it's going to work on my device. Uh, I believe it works on Android phones. You know, I I, um, I had Fido as my carrier, and they've got an app that tells you how much data you're using, but it only kind of is accurate within 12 hours, and it doesn't really tell you what's using the, the data. So this actually goes down to the specific app, doesn't it? It really does. So it gives you real-time updates, goes down to the specific app, um, and it gives you a breakdown of which apps are consuming the most data. You can also limit how much data individual apps use. You can see graphs of how much you've used over the past few weeks and months and find secure public Wi-Fi hotspots as well for when you're out and about, which is a really, really helpful uh, part of kind of avoiding using a lot of data. Um, and additionally, another interesting thing about it is that when you're uh, on a browser or on different things that are using mobile data, you'll see a little pop-up, kind of a circle, like a Facebook Messenger circle, and it will show you how much data you're, you're on average using at that moment. So that's a really good reminder as well, which is very, very helpful. And um, it's great because all of that is just free to download on Android. Why did they make this? I mean, I think Google, you know, likes to obviously uh, present tools that are helpful for its users uh, to make to make things simpler and to make things easier. And it also provides them with a certain amount of data as well. So there's always that kind of two-pronged thing for Google. Um, but I think it's definitely been well-received so far. So they'll, but they'll be getting something out of it, but they're also sort of giving back this this great free tool to, to users. I need this on the iPhone. It's killing me because I, you know, I, I get a general indication. You can go into one of the settings there, but it doesn't really feel like it's giving me the whole story uh, of all the data that I'm uh, using. Yeah, that's right. I mean, with the iPhone and, and before you had an app like Daily, it, it was easiest just to go in and look at the settings. But not only are those a little more confusing to use, but you're not really getting everything in um, as comprehensive a light as Daily Sheds or Daily Sheds. So um, it's helpful if you're on iPhone. Um, there are 
some there are some great settings options that you can do, including sort of limiting Wi-Fi assist, which um, jumps you over to mobile data if your Wi-Fi is not working well. But yeah, those are all kind of more separate and not all pulled together. So, but we have a we have an article on that for help to, for helping out if uh, people are interested. Well, I would recommend reading that article. Again, we're talking with uh, our friend Rose Bahar from Mobile Syrup. Uh, MobileSyrup.com is the address, I believe, right, Rose? That's right. When we come back, App of the Week, stay tuned. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. It's that time of the week, App of the Week with Christina. What do you got for us? I have an app to help you stay focused and put that phone down. I think you need to download it right away, Mike. I don't know about that. Let's let's hear what this thing does first. Okay, this is called Forest. And what it does is it lets you set a timer for uh, not using your phone and staying focused on what you're doing. And there's a little virtual tree that grows as you stay off your phone. <laughs> really? Yes. And the tree will be killed if you leave the app. Really? So it keeps you from leaving the app and uh, using other things on your phone. So run run me through this again. I'm not quite understanding. Okay. So every time you launch this app, it's like you're planting a tiny little virtual tree. Okay. So you have a timer and the longer you don't touch your phone or try to exit the app, the more this tree grows. If you do touch your phone before, you know, the time's up, then your tree dies. Do you set the time yourself? Yes. Have you tried this? No, I haven't yet, but I'm intrigued because you know what? I uh, My phone is sort of my crutch when I get stuck on something. This happens often at work. If I'm stuck on something, I will, you know, look at my phone and spend a couple minutes playing around on there before I go back to the task when I'm frustrated. This might be good to take to a restaurant if you're out with people. Oh my goodness, definitely, because... This is one of my biggest pet peeves when I'm out for dinner with someone and they're looking at their phone. It drives me crazy. <laughs> Again, Forest, and what uh, is it for uh, iPhone and Android? It is available on both platforms, and I think there's actually a Chrome extension as well. So Christina is also one of the co-hosts on the App Show, which you can listen to every Sunday on CKNW 980. Uh, from 10 to 11 a.m. If you own a smartphone, a tablet, a smart TV, you got to check this show out. It is awesome. We talk about all the latest and greatest apps, uh, everything from games to productivity to finance, everything you can imagine, dating. Uh, What do we got coming up tomorrow, Christina? We're going to be talking about some apps to help you keep your New Year's resolutions. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Forest is actually on that list, (laughs) (laughs) but I love the idea so much that I had to talk about it twice. So we got five of these types of apps. Yes. To keep deadbeats like me off their phones. Well, there's, there are uh, apps that are focused more generally on keeping New Year's resolutions, not specifically that one. What else do we have? We're talking to Constable Rob Brunt, who is leading a project here in Vancouver uh, that uses an app to curb bike theft. Oh my God, this this was such a great segment. Uh, you have to tune in for that. If you've got a bike, uh, this app is amazing and we'll tell you all about it tomorrow. Looks like that's all the time we have left on Get Connected. want to thank uh, Graham Williams uh, and Christina for helping me out this week and uh, tune into the app show tomorrow at 10 a.m. You can hear more of us.
Mike, Christina, Graham, logging off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.